Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, thanks very much for joining us. Coming up on this episode, we're going to talk about a recruitment drive for the ETB in Cork. We'll talk about perfecting your business pitch and lots more to come. But serving up delicious food in Cork, there's a pun there, I'll get to it in a minute. For the last decade, Jonathan Sheehan has seen his cafe, which is called Lish, there's the pun, growing from a six-seater premises in Turners Cross to a thriving, much larger premises on the South Douglas Road. And despite all the challenges facing hospitality, he has opened a cracking weekend venture called the Egg Bar at the Marina Market. There's too many puns in this script. Jonathan, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm absolutely cracking. So there's the first one. (laughs) There's another one. There's another one. Very good. Come here, tell us a little bit about Lish to begin with. Okay, so Lish Lish is my little baby. And our name originates from because we put delish in delicious. Um, it's very much about local food, nice, simple ingredients. We just give it a little bit of love, a little bit of cooking, a little bit of decoration, and we send it on its way. And we hope that we give as much joy to people when they eat it as what we do when we make it. Now, you sound like an eminently sensible man, right? You had a lovely little six-seater operation in Turners Cross, but that wasn't good enough for you. You had to go around the corner to the South Douglas Road. How, how many can you seat there, and, and what's the difference between the two locations? Okay, so the when I was in Turners Cross, we started in the cafe, and we also ventured into event catering. So, to be honest with you, the event, create, event catering just outgrew the location that we were there, and we weren't able to produce the numbers that we could the difference between the two cafes is we can seat 45 extremely comfortable in the cafe and we could push it to 70 if we wanted to we just didn't we used to seat 70 but we just feel with covid um that people want to be a little bit more comfortable and have a little bit more air around Okay, and that makes sense as well. And that's flying it in its own right. So then you still weren't happy. So you decided to open the egg bar. Now, I have to say, I haven't been in the marina market in a while, so I haven't seen the egg bar. What I'm guessing you sell eggs? Yeah, we're eggs. So we're, um, I suppose, a breakfast brunch bar. Uh, my ethos is, as I, I was talking to someone the other day about it, it was like, well, if you like it, you've got to put an egg on it. Do you know, like, so we do, we specialise in breakfast, brunch, Benedict salads, I suppose I'm very much about that the egg should be an all-day offer. Um, So, like, I mean, even your salad, we don't use any dressing. The egg yolk dresses the salad. So it's kind of like a healthy version of a salad as well. So, in other words, you use the runny yellow part of the centre of the egg as your dressing. Yeah, yeah, as your dressing. So, like, I mean, for everyone out there that's, like, uh, watching their LBs on Monday to Friday... Um, and they're holding their dressings, but while we're actually dressing our salad with protein, so like it's a non, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, do you know what I mean. No, it's very good. I mean, you you mentioned Benedict, which is my favourite source of breakfast, oh, um, yeah. which is better known as eggs with eggs uh, and a little bit of butter and probably a lot of butter thrown in. <laughs> Sometimes it can be hard to get right. So how are you perfecting it? Because I'm guessing Marina Market, quick turnaround. You can't leave customers waiting. Very fast turnaround. Um, our hollandaise is done every morning, nice and fresh. Um, we've got a chef. Where we've got three chefs in the background, one working the past, one working eggs, and one working on the cooking. So it's really, really fast at the weekend. Very, very fast. And mm. um, we're also aware that people, like the maximum you should be waiting is 10, 12 minutes. Um, people are in a hurry because I suppose you have... You've, the marina market is just amazing. Like, I mean, you could have four friends sit there, 
go to four different eateries and come back and sit and join a table again. So it's an absolutely amazing operation, don't it? No, it really, really is. It's a brilliant addition to Cork as well. And we can showcase all the good foodstuffs we have. Now, you're 10 years on the go. Um, yeah. You sound like you're spreading yourself thin between the three businesses. Uh, did, did you ever imagine you were going to be this busy? Um, yeah, I've always been busy. Um, I suppose as you grow, you grow your team as well and you focus on things like that. Um, I suppose, yeah, I am busy, but I love my job. I love food and I love the experience that people can have through food or even through coffee, where it's just meeting friends or just sitting having a piece of cake or just having some, like, I love the experience. Like, I always tell my crew when they start, all my staff and stuff, like, all we have to do is give a nice smile to people. If they come in in not so good form, let's try to change the narrative, give them some nice coffee, good food, a glass of wine if they want that, a little bit of chat and send them on the way. And we can make a difference to someone's day by just being nice and the odd smile and a nice bit of tasty food. Mm, well, it's a very uplifting uh, idea that you have given dear staff there, which is great to hear. Now, Jonathan, we have to talk about the, the challenges facing the sector as well. We know there are businesses yeah. that are closing down. There's some hibernating. Everyone is worried about the, the cost of the electricity bill when it lands on your uh, on your doormat. Um, how worried are you, given that you have the three outlets now that you're going to be hit with increased costs over the next while, that you're probably going to have to pass on to the customer they might be smiling at you after that yeah of course of course i'm really worried about it but i suppose people are really really understanding as well that the cost does need to be brought on and i suppose it's my job to keep it as minimum as possible so like if when the increase comes then it's about dividing it out from all sides of it and not putting additional and to the customer. So like we'd say, like if we if we have to put up the prices by we say five or six, seven percent, you know, not rounding it off at the ten, but just keeping it at the, the minimum in order to cover your costs. And you're hopefully you're going to be able to do that without having an impact on your business. Yeah, I am. I am. Okay. I am. And I'm very positive about it as well. I'd say because... it, it takes it takes a lot to knock your confidence. I'm guessing you're that kind of individual, are you? Do you know what? I, I get my bad days like everybody else, do you know, where I get into myself um, and I worry about the business and what we can do. But I find that if I put my head down, turn to making some cake and stuff, I can kind of sort it out. <laughs> I do I do my very, very best to say as upbeat as I possibly can. Um, business is great. Um, I also, um, like, we're branching out into different directions within the sector at the moment where we're doing with the chef shortage and stuff that we're supplying some desserts and some cakes and stuff to some local restaurants to help them out. So I'm really happy to do things like that as well. Um, But I suppose we just need to be mindful of our costs and just controlling them. So if it's a simple thing of having the heating on for 20 minutes instead of a half an hour, do you know what I mean? It's just like, like making the little cuts. We just need to be a little bit more mindful. Okay, absolutely in favour of those small little changes without having any impact on the customer altogether. Jonathan Sheehan, the the website if people want to visit it is lishcatering.ie. That's L-I-S-H-H catering.ie. Jonathan, you have proven yet again there are no problems in life that cannot be solved without cake. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. Cheers. 
Pitching an idea and making presentations, they're key in any successful business. The more you do, the better you become. But how do you get to the perfect pitch? PowerPoint presentations, are they sending you off in a spin? And do you feel that your delivery is letting you down? Well, don't worry. Help is at hand. Fiona Walsh of Imagine Coaching is a PowerPoint presentation expert and someone whose success grew as a result of all the Zoom meetings that were forced upon us by COVID. Fiona, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Jonathan. It's lovely to talk to you. I have to admit, PowerPoint is beyond my comprehension. I I used to be good at technology, (laughs) but I'm terrible at it. Absolutely terrible. Help me. Well, I find what's happened to people is they often get Excel training in corporate environments, but they very rarely get PowerPoint training. And that's the problem. People aren't aware of, they don't know what they don't know. And they're missing all these tips and tricks to help them make really, really slick presentations quickly and to present better as well. And they just don't know what's there. That's what I find. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what struck me, particularly during lockdown, was how bad I was at it when I was trying to do it. And I was trying to even to do simple things like building out points that needed to appear on screen in order. I just couldn't do it. And I used to be good at technology. I used to be able to kind of, you know, program computers when I was in my late teens. And here I was struggling with something that Microsoft should have made <laughs> easy for me. Oh, they have made it easy. You just don't know about it. You just don't know how to do it. That's the difference. (laughs) So where where should people start then? What's the easiest thing to do? Well, that's it. Having training, basically. Uh, Usually when I do a training session with somebody within the first five to 10 minutes, they go, oh, God, I didn't know you could do that. That's a life changer. That's going to save me so much time or that's going to make my job so much easier. As I said, people just don't have formal training in PowerPoint and they've learned from the person sitting next to them at the desk. And, you know, they've picked up those ways of doing something which aren't the best ways Uh, where um a lot of the problem though is we see other people's powerpoints being amazing and then we have an inferiority complex uh, and we view all of our expertise and our experience through the prism of that complex so is it really just as simple as learning a few basic things it is yeah absolutely yeah for example um if you're on powerpoint 365 the subscription-based service they have an amazing um, library of images that are really high quality that look fantastic in slides and I just find so many people aren't aware of them that's just one example so they're really high quality so they look good on the slide you know you see pitch take people taking screenshots of images and they're poor quality and then they're all pixelated when you know it's shown on um, screen so that, for example, would make a huge difference just using the right type of images mm. you know, from a, a reputable source. When, when in the olden days you used to have to stand up at a screen and, and point at it with your finger or a laser if you were really posh, uh, you'd get away with a lot more. Um, has Zoom changed people's expectations? Because you see everything, because you're looking at your laptop screen as if you've done the PowerPoint yourself in, in beautiful high definition. Uh, and as a result then, have people's expectations changed about what is acceptable in a good PowerPoint? I think so. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, think about it, Jonathan. Let's say you're turning up for a business meeting with a new client. Would you turn up in shorts and sandals? Uh, it was summer, possibly. But uh, if it was on Zoom, <laughs> most certainly. They'd never see below the waist. <laughs> not on Zoom. Oh, no, in real life. Real no, life I, guys, I probably <laughs> would have put on trousers. Yeah, I agreed. Exactly. Yes. And I feel that PowerPoint presentations are the same. When you think about a company and its branding, you know, the, the rest there, everything else is branded. But when it comes to PowerPoint, they don't seem to be bothered about PowerPoint or they don't seem to realise this is also an extension of their branding and that it's important that it's representing 
the company, not just from a branding perspective, but also from um, a professional perspective so that the slides look professional and are representing the company or the business. C- continuing well. education is really important. This is just part of it. Isn't it? This is continuous professional development, albeit in something that you might have a basic proficiency in. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. But as I mentioned, there's, there's two aspects to it because the first is being able to create professional looking slides and the second is being able to present well with them because what I often see is people that might you know they might have good slides but then they're not really sure what to you know how to present properly they're not they're not familiar with the tools and, and tips and tricks that you have in PowerPoint or Zoom or MS Teams to present well with them. But more importantly, and, confidence, as I know through my own business, confidence is the biggest challenge. The yeah. People seem to yeah. put themselves in this weird situation whereby they're terrified, they're afraid of making a simple mistake. They think the world is going to cave in if they miss a, 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 a couple of words on their presentation. How do you help them overcome yeah. that? Well, again, this is the tools that, that, that you have. So, for example, the presenter view. And I'm sure you, you, you are present, you're familiar with the presenter view and many people are. What they're not familiar with is the fact that there's a tool within there that can take you from any slide in the presentation seamlessly to another slide in the presentation, not necessarily the next slide. I was working with a one-to-one client during the week and I was explaining this and, and, and um, we had a little conversation about it. And she said, oh, that's brilliant because let's say you've got a couple of slides towards the end that might be on the same topic And if you are running out of time, you can just skip those slides and go to the the last slide. And just having that knowledge gives you so much more confidence. Has COVID been good for your business in this context? Because people had to do a lot more of this and they were doing it from home with their shorts on uh, below the screen. But uh, (laughs) they they still had to do an awful lot more of it. So as a result, they needed you, Fiona. Well, that's when I set up my business, actually, during COVID. So I, um, I am a Microsoft certified trainer. So I already had that qualification. And I work in a corporate background, but I felt that I had more to offer than um, working in corporate and decided to set my own business up. And it was really because of the pandemic and, and seeing people struggling with PowerPoint. You know, obviously, everybody, small businesses were going online to try and get some business when they were all closed. And uh, that's when I started, really. So what is the website if people think they need your magic? Well, best place to find me is on LinkedIn because I'm rebranding at the moment. So Imagine Coaching is turning into another business name. So the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. And if you search for Fiona Walsh and PowerPoint, just Google that and you will find me on LinkedIn anyway, because that's where I share lots of tips and tricks and videos on how people can present better. Okay, Fiona, we wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Fiona Walsh of what is now Imagine Coaching, but is soon to turn into an even fancier name than that. Thanks for talking to us, Fiona. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Next month, a series of events to revive and reinvigorate the volunteer youth club sector in Cork is going to take place in a bit to shake off the remnants of COVID and get the sector back to its best. The Revive events will be hosted by Cork ETB. They're taking place across the city and Mick Finn of the ETB is with us now. Mick, how are you? I'm good, Jonathan. How are you keeping? I'm very well indeed. Now, these are really important things, aren't they? That you have youth clubs to give young people somewhere to go and something to do. Exactly. Look, and, you know, we all know the problems that were experienced during COVID with the restrictions and the lockdowns and a lot of the the volunteer clubs, a lot of the staff services, a lot of the GA clubs and sporting organisations, you know, had to reduce their service and or kind of 
experience of it in, in recent months post-COVID or, you know, as, as we emerge from the worst of it, is that a lot of those clubs that were functioning in the city and across the county actually didn't open since uh, COVID. So in Cork, we have about 250 clubs that receive annual grants from the department. And of those 250 that are on our database with Cork Education and Training Board, which would be formerly the VCs, um, only 120 are actually operating at the moment. So, you know, there's a considerable bit of work to be done to try and kind of stoke interest in the volunteer sector and maybe get those clubs back open again. And as you say, for young people across the city and, you know, in remote and rural areas of the county to get them back involved and to provide service for them, in, in particularly in areas that don't have staffed youth services. Yeah, what, what's frustrating about this, Mick, is it doesn't cost a huge amount of money to, to do this. Uh, and it, with a little bit of extra support, a lot of these clubs could reopen. They're largely run by volunteers, but there are always going to be associated costs that have to be picked up by someone. Yes, um, I mean the I suppose the the, the staple for the the local youth clubs that we deal with, with um, you know again you know we have said you know over 120 of them, and the vast majority of them are based in the county of Cork. Uh, we do have a, a lot of them in the city as well, but they depend on what's called the local youth club grant, uh, which is administered by us through the Department of Children Equality, Integration and Youth. And, you know, they get a grant maybe of about, you know, two or three thousand a year, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. But that actually keeps them going for the year. It pays for their rent. It pays, you know, for their uh, utilities. Um, and, you know, it's a relatively small amount of money. But, you know, every year we get applications for it consistently and it, it keeps them going. And I suppose, as you say, it doesn't, you know, cost a huge amount of money. But it depends on the volunteering of people who give their time week mm. in, week out. So, you know, and as I said, we still have 120 of those functioning. You know, at the moment, there's about 1,500 volunteers across those groups serving 6,000 young people. We, um, we've and not, I think we, we, our, our aim is to try and push that and get more people involved and again, you know, get services to more young people. We have got a lot of businesses that listen to this um, and a lot of the business people will have gone to youth clubs in the past. They'll know the value and they'll see it in their own communities. How can businesses help out here? Yeah, well, look, I mean, the, this Revive event that we're doing, you know, and the, 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 the Vive part of the Revive stands for Volunteer Involvement and Validation Event. And what we're, what we're proposing to do is have uh, nine events across the city and the county to, you know, ask to reward people who are doing their work, you know, as it is, and to maybe, you know, contact some of the dormant clubs who, you know, have stopped functioning for one reason or, or another. And in many cases, it's because of a lack of volunteers. So if there are businesses, um, you know, or firms interested in getting involved, the best thing they can do, apart from financial, you know, sponsorship and help of events and programs, is actually alerting their workforces, their employees to these volunteering opportunities. I mean, in many cases, it's maybe an hour or two a week. You know, you're dealing with, with young people who need services, who value services. And I suppose the biggest thing that we come across is that adults, you know, will come to you and say, sure, what can I give to a club or an organisation? What skill set do I have? And just, you know, a person rang me a couple of weeks ago who had been involved in the IT sector, you know, wanting to get involved and said, you know, what can I do? But I said, you can help people with CVs. You can help people with basic, you know, um, pr uh, computer skills. And kind of they didn't realise that that was something that they could offer to young people uh, in various settings. So I would say to businesses, you know, and a lot of them, you know, get involved in maybe uh, week-long, you know, painting programmes or, you know, in enhancement in the community. 
but there are opportunities for volunteers and the uh, the I suppose what the volunteers get out of it and what these people will get out of it, you know, is is okay. is much greater than what they put in. So tell us how you can find out about these revive events and how people can get involved. Okay, so the revive events um, are starting next week, next Wednesday, um, and we're starting in in Mallow in the Springford Hall Hotel. Uh, but the details of all this would be on uh, www.corkitb.ie, um, and you know, or you can you know, obviously contact me in in the youth service section. But w- what we're doing is um, we're we're hosting events in in areas where youth clubs are operating and maybe where they have been operating previously. So we're starting in Mallow. We're going to Charleville, Carrigaline. Cove, Middleton, Clannacilty, Skibbereen. We've won in the Cork City for all the Cork City clubs and in McCroom. Well, I'm telling you, going around the county like that, if you brought a guitar, you'd, you'd nearly be able to can't, you know, turn it into a series of gigs. Uh, you've, you've got enough dates on the on, on the agenda. CorkETB.ie if you want to get in contact. Exactly, and all those events um, start with a kind of cup of tea and a biscuit or a cake at, at 6.30 and we'll just only go on for about an hour and a half. And as I said, it's, kind of, it's a bit to kind of, you know, put the spotlight on the clubs that are functioning. Uh, say well done to them, pat them on the back. But we're also going to have somebody there who's going to help them come up with creative ideas uh, to use in their clubs, maybe in small spaces. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's just to, to give a helping hand to, ones, to the volunteers who are operating, but also maybe an invite to people who might have an hour to spare in the week to say, look, come out here, give your time. It will make a difference to young people. It will help young people to reach their potential. And I think that's, you know, a great um, end goal, I think, for people who want to give up their time. Mick Finn, uh, the... ETB Youth Service Development Officer for Cork. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Mick. Thanks, Jonathan. Now, finally, this week, we want to talk about a Cork-based company called CXV Global. It's CEO and co-founder Frank Madden, who's with me now. Hiya, Frank. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. Lovely to talk to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're a Cork company. We've been around for 24 years now. We used to be known as Crest Solutions, but we've uh, changed names recently to CXV Global. Um, so we're involved in the industrial automation space. So really, we'd be well known for putting cameras on production lines in factories to track products and just to make sure the quality of the product. Um, and we're well known for serialization, which is tracking and tracing pharmaceutical products. So. We have offices in, in Ireland, UK, Belgium, Scandinavia, the US. So uh, we're fairly well established at this stage. If we were to look at the names of your clients, you mightn't be able to tell them out loud, but I'm presuming you're because of where you're based, you're taking in a lot of life sciences and pharmaceuticals. Yeah, so all our all our um, in in Ireland all our customers are mainly pharmaceutical and some life sciences. Um Naturally, all the ones in Cork and 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 pretty much in everyone in in Ireland because we're around a long time, Jonathan. So, um, in in then in our office in Belgium, then we have quite a lot of automotive customers because um obviously there's a lot of manufacturing over there in terms of uh, automotive. So, but we're mainly pharmaceutical. I, I'm guessing you provide a technological solution for something that would otherwise be very difficult to do, which is to trace batches, to trace products, to work out what went out and when. Exactly. So, uh, in the pharmaceutical world, when um, when a product is manufactured, uh, and we say the product is put into its primary packaging, we say it's the box or the syringe or the or the vial or whatever, the blister. Well, then it gets marked with a very unique number that's only down to that particular package, and that then gets tracked right through the supply chain. So, by the time it's dispensed in a hospital or in a in a chemist 
pharmacy, um, it gets scanned again. And then through all that tracking and tracing, you can identify if the product is a genuine product. So we'd be the people at the very early stage of that process that, that actually put the mark or put the number plate on the, on the, the product and, and uh, aggregate all the information up to large databases. And the way that that's, worked, that's done is, is through special barcodes, and those barcodes are read with cameras, and we're camera people, in, uh, and that's, that, that's how, how we fit into the whole supply chain. Okay, now there's 300 staff working with you right around the world, but the big news that you have announced recently is a strategic partnership with a US company called Panacea Technologies. Tell us what that means for you. Well, we actually have 300 people in Cork, uh, uh, Jonathan. Um, we have uh, about 550 all around the world. Uh, Cork is, is still the centre of our business in terms of uh, the, the, the technology, and it's, it's, it's the, the sort of centre of, of what we do. So recently, um, for many years, we, we were what we would describe, Jonathan, as a customer-funded business. Um, all our money came from customers and from the projects we do. Uh, but we, we, we invented quite an uh, um, impressive range of, of products which we've developed over the last number of years with the support of Enterprise Ireland. And those products are really taken off for us. Uh, so we, about uh, three weeks ago, we announced that we were uh, bringing in private equity into the company and that we were going to buy similar companies to ourselves uh, over the next number of years to build up the company. And the first uh, company that we bought was a company called Panacea in the US, and they're involved in gene therapy and in the in the biosciences, sort of an earlier part of the pharmaceutical supply chain. So really, we exist in a very fragmented market where our customers, who are huge pharmaceutical companies, they want to standardize solutions right across the world. And, and what we do is very complex, so the only way we can help them standardize across the world is to build products, but also to have local people that's able to install and support these products in wherever their factories are. Mm. So that means for us is that we have to we have to build up our our uh, sort of footprint on on the global stage, and that's that's why we we've, we've made this um, uh, this strategic partnership uh, with with the private equity company in uh, Chicago called Water Street, and they're going to help us to defragment the market and just sort of build out build out our strategy. Now, what it sounds like is you've cornered a nice part of this market that you do very well. Uh, you're expanding, you're taking investment, you're, you're looking at uh, acquisitions right now. How easy is it to do all of that out of little old Cork, Frank? Obviously, you built up uh, the business because you had a lot of companies that decided to build around you. But when you're starting from the other side, is it harder? Yeah, so I, I think what a lot of people don't realize, Jonathan, is that Ireland is actually very mature uh, in terms of being able to deal on a global stage because of foreign direct investment. Ireland has had foreign direct investment from companies like Apple, where I started my career in, you know, for 40 or 50 years at this time. And what that does over time is that it trains, the, excuse me, the Irish workforce to be, you know, able to uh, understand how to supply to these very large companies. So building a, a global business out of Cork, I don't think is is much different than building it out of anywhere else. I mean, the skills are definitely in Ireland. Um, what probably isn't in Ireland is the access to real uh, serious capital. Um, and you do have to go to the US if you, if you're if you want to capitalize the business enough to be able to do a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So apart from finance, I think Ireland has everything um, in terms of, of being able to build a global business. 
Well, look, it's brilliant to see Crest Solutions going on to becoming CXV Global, quite literally taking on the world. Frank Madden, good luck to you and all of your colleagues. Great to hear the story and we'll talk to you again. Thanks a million, Jonathan. It was a pleasure. That's it from this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget our video series, Red Business in Focus, with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices, is live now on the website redfm.ie. Fiona Corcoran was the producer and we will catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.